This is Mary Lewis with A Tiny Homestead, the podcast comprised entirely of conversations with homesteaders, cottage food producers, and crafters. Today I'm talking with Anna at Wildflower Farm. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Tell me about yourself and about Wildflower. I don't know why (laughs) I keep messing up people's names. Wildflower Farm. Um... We're a little farm. We're in northern Minnesota. Um, we've been on this farm for about just over 10 years now. Um, we've kind of grown from the bottom up, put in our gardens, got chickens, cows, all of that, just kind of year by year built it up. Um, that's, yeah, that's the basics, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, we, I teach, um, different farm classes. I bake a ton of bread for the farmer's markets and to order throughout the year. And we make different um, farm products. My goal has always been to grow as many ingredients as I can on the farm to use in the bakery. Um, And so that has led to trying to do different wheats and of course our chickens for eggs and fertilizer. Um, We've got a dairy cow that I milk for cream and milk and butter and all the other fun dairy stuff. And we just kind of, I don't know, launched into it, I guess. (laughs) Okay. So when you say bakery, do you mean baking at home or do you guys have an actual freestanding bakery? Um, We're right in between. Right now, I owned a bakery years ago um, in downtown Bismarck. And so now I've turned our house kitchen, which our house was built in 1920, is a small farmhouse. So you can imagine how big the kitchen is. Um, I turned that into a bakery for my on-farm bakery. But we are hopefully by spring construction, remodel, whatever you want to call it, is going to be done where we've taken the milk parlor in the barn and just completely gutted it started fresh and are turning that into an actual um on-farm bakery outside of the house that I can teach classes in and do the rest of the baking out there. That's amazing. I am yeah. so happy for you. Um so does that change how you have to be registered with the state between the the cottage food producer and then the next tier up? No, I'm just going to stick with my cottage food um, license. I don't want to go commercial. I don't want to be that big. Um, I like to just be able to do it small and for our neighbors and community. And and so for that, what I'm trying to do as far as stay small, I don't need to have anything more than a cottage license. That's great. I love that. I, I love that Minnesota has the cottage food registration and that the the very first tier, if you're going to be cooking at home, is free. I think it's fantastic yeah. that our state yep. does that. So you are a homesteader and a cottage food producer, and are you a crafter as well? Do you make things? I yeah, I I try a little bit of everything. Um, as far as crafting goes, I used to do a lot of leather work. Um, once we had kids, then that kind of got tucked away, but. Now I do a lot of knitting and crocheting, needlework. Um, sweaters are probably my favorite thing right now. And then, you know, candle pouring and soap making and whatever I can do to keep my hands busy is always a good thing. <laughs> so you hit all the criteria for my yes. podcast. That's fantastic. <laughs> Yay. 
Okay. So I was, I was looking at your website and mm-hmm. I saw that you sell coffee and I, yeah. I live on coffee. It is, it is literally my drink of choice every day to the point of a pot and a half of coffee a day, which I probably mm-hmm. shouldn't be doing. But, uh, so is it, too. it's okay. <laughs> yeah. So is it, do you buy the beans already roasted or do you, the how do you do the coffee is, part? The, so the coffee I get, um, I have a friend that has a roastery in West Hope, North Dakota, and I've been working with her in coffee since 2008. And so when we, when I closed my bakery in Bismarck, she had supplied all of our coffee for that. And when we moved here and I started baking and doing pastries and such all over again, I said, I really want some farm blends that I can have to go with everything I'm doing. And so she actually does the roasting for me. Um, and then I do the packaging and labeling and all of that stuff. That's just, that's one bigger task that I just couldn't take on with the space that we have yet. Yeah. It, it takes some, it takes some room to do that. Yeah. So <laughs> so did you come up with blends that you, that you made for her to, to do? No, I let her do that. She's, she's an artist with that and I don't have that talent yet. So I told her kind of what I was looking for and she sent it and I said, yes, that's perfect. So that's, that's really fun. Yeah. Um, I've been, because this is, this is homesteaders and cottage food producers and crafters. The first few podcasts that I did were very general because I didn't really know what I was looking for exactly. And I wasn't Mm -hmm. quite sure how to drill down on questions because I'm very new at this. And uh, I interviewed a lady who does maple syruping a couple weeks ago. And that was, that was really fun because I actually know just enough to know what to ask about maple syrup. (laughs) And that was great. Mm -hmm. And then um, next week, this coming week on January 4th, I'm talking to a lady who keeps bees, honeybees. Oh, yeah. And I know just enough to be dangerous and I will never keep bees <laughs> because I'm kind of still afraid of them. Oh. So so that'll be fun. Yeah. And, and I didn't want to keep just doing, hi, you have cows and goats, yay team, that's awesome. Because right. that's going to get really boring. So yep. I was really curious about the coffee, but I'm going to have to find somebody who actually does coffee. You know, oh, I can. I don't know if they're coffee. homesteaders, but I can get you in touch with a couple of people that that do coffee really well. That would be great. Please do. I think that would be really interesting because I suspect that anyone who's doing the things I'm talking about either drinks tea or coffee because right. you know you get up <laughs> in the morning, you're gonna have something to kick you to get you right. up. <laughs> yeah. So, so you have um, you have cows and goats. We have, we don't have goats anymore. Currently on the farm, we have um, cows, chickens, ducks, rabbits, a couple donkeys, a pony, and then we also have bees as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then hopefully pigs will come in the spring and we'll see what other birds we bring home again. I I get the animals, the bird catalogs and some years it gets a little out of hand, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I think I think that if you have land and you have the room to to garden and do animals, it it always gets out of hand. You get the you get the seed catalogs or you get the animal catalogs or the oh, auction yeah. things and 
I want all of them right now. And then you realize that you can't do it all, all the time. So, right. I know. I think I've tripled our garden every year for the last how many years now. And one of these times I'm going to run out of land. Yeah, we, (laughs) we went from a a bigger garden when we moved here to a bigger garden the second year to a bigger garden the third year. And as I keep saying, I am not the gardener. I, I do not garden. I love helping pick out the varieties. I love going to the nurseries and getting seedlings. But beyond that, my husband is a fanatic about gardening. He loves it. And oh, so yeah. I just, it's his baby. And he talks to me about it. And I say, whoa, Nelly, slow down. <laughs> and then I say, what is your goal? And he tells me, and I say, okay, have you considered? And then we talk about it because otherwise he would be throwing every seed known to man in the garden just to see what happens. <laughs> uh, that's always a fun way to go, though. You, you learn new varieties and what works, and sometimes you can change up what you had, and it's better. And I, I love to do that. My seed ordering gets out of hand just as much as anything else, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's fun. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. It is. But but when stuff doesn't grow because it's not the right conditions, it's not as fun. So, right. and in as you know, in Minnesota, we have what maybe four months of growing right. time. If we're so, lucky, so you want to make the most of it with what you put in because uh, not having things come up is sad. We had to replant yeah. green beans three times last summer because of the no rain. I did that so, with the carrots, and we still didn't get carrots. Yeah, we didn't. We got maybe three carrots out of way more seeds than we needed to put in. So (laughs) I don't know. Hopefully this summer will be better. I I don't. I'm not holding out a whole lot of hope, but hopefully it will be better. (laughs) So you have you have cow. You have a cow or you have cows. We have cows. We have um, Irish Dexters, which are like a they're the smallest non miniature breed. Um, and they're dual purpose. And so I started with those because I wanted a milk cow that wasn't going to give me gallons of milk every day. Mm-hmm. And she gave us about a half gallon every day, which was perfect for us. We calf shared, so I only milked once a day. It worked really well. And then as the kids grew a little bit, then we needed more. And I wanted to do more with the cream. And the Dexters have a really... Um, low cream to milk ratio and so there really wasn't any butter I could do or anything so then we got a jersey yeah so now we've got both we've got a couple bulls and a couple cows and last year's calves and so we've got a a small herd but it's it's all we need so and do you sell the meat too um not yet for now because because they're such a small cow it would be equal to like half an angus if you were to buy Mm-hmm. Um, and so we go through, you know, a cow ourselves usually. Um, so I don't have extra meat to sell usually. We'll sell chickens and eggs and some of that stuff, but the bigger, bigger animals we don't sell. When the when I've got extra milk, then we do a lot of um, raw milk selling and cream and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. Um. It's the whole raw milk versus not raw milk thing mm-hmm. is is really interesting to me. Um, we went home to see my parents in Maine, I don't know, in 2014. And they have a little, well, it's not that little. They have a, a general store down the road from them. Cool. 
And uh, we stopped in because, of course, we're going to stop in at a general store by my parents. <laughs> and they had raw milk for sale in their cooler. Nice. And I, of course, bought, took some up to the counter mm-hmm. and talked to the lady behind the counter. And I said, um, I said, what are the laws in Maine for raw milk? And she looked at me like, you're not from here, are you? And I'm like, no, originally, <laughs> yes, but no. And she said, oh, she said, we can sell it. We just can't advertise that we sell it. Right. And I said, really? Mm-hmm. And she said, you look very confused. I said, I grew up in Maine. And I said, and then I moved to Minnesota. And in Minnesota, there isn't a store anywhere that you can buy raw milk at. The only way you can buy raw milk is you find out who's selling it. You go to their farm. You typically bring your own container. They fill it for you. You give them your money and you leave. Yep. And she said, what? I said, yeah. <laughs> I said, that's, that's how it's done. Yep. And she said, why? And I said, because those are the rules, ma'am. And she just <laughs> laughed. And she said, no wonder you look so confused. She said, because if you can't get raw milk in a store in Minnesota, why would it be normal for you? And I said, yeah, exactly. And really good milk. I I brought it back to my folks and we had a pot of coffee going and got a pot, got a cup of coffee and poured some of the cream off the top and drank it. And I guess my eyes rolled back in my head because my dad was like, that must be really good coffee. (laughs) Yeah, 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 sure is. Uh, so I'm assuming that the rules are still the same in Minnesota. You, you cannot, um, you can't, there, trans- yeah, tell me, you know what the rules yeah, are. The, um, last I checked, which has been a few years now, it is, you can't, you're not supposed to advertise that you have it, but if somebody comes to your farm, they can buy it from you. However, that I've been talking to a gal, um, who's been working on legislation to change the raw milk laws in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And I think it has gained some traction, so hopefully we'll see some changes within the next few years um, that would really be awesome for any micro dairy or even just small farm like us to be able to sell a little bit more and not have to be so back alley about it. Yeah, that would be really nice. And I assume if, if that gets passed for um, cow's milk, maybe it'll go for goat milk, too. Yeah, I think it would, from how I understood it, how they're doing it, it would be kind of a blanket raw milk, cow, goat, sheep, if you want to milk them type thing. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. I would I would be so happy if that would happen. Yeah. <laughs> because right now, the only place for me to get raw milk <clears throat> within an affordable driving distance is Montgomery, and that's 20 minutes away. Oh, yeah. And I'm not going to go to Montgomery just to get a gallon of raw milk right now. It's not going to happen. So Right. And I really love it. I, I really do. Um, oh, yeah. Store-bought milk is okay, but it's just not the same. Right. I know my kids, whenever the milk or the cow is dry, they're, when are you going to start milking the cow again? When do we get real milk? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. they like to shake the cream in just, I think, as much as the rest of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's, it's amazing. I, again, I, it's probably mostly perception and, and it's probably, or it's subjective and it, maybe the cream that isn't pasteurized doesn't actually taste better than right. the cream that is, but I think it does. So, yep. 
And the one in the, the stuff in the spring is always the best because they're on fresh green grass and it just makes it a little bit sweeter and your butter yellower and it's just yeah. really good. Yeah, exactly. Um, which which leads me to perception because I keep coming back to perception about all of this. Um, my my take on on things that we grow or or milk that hasn't been pasteurized or I don't know, just, just stuff that hasn't been messed with mm-hmm. by some machine is better. And for me, I, I grew up in the pines of Maine and mm-hmm. we heated with wood and we had a garden and we being my parents, cause you know, they were the ones that owned the par- property and we were kids and perception perception is what you experience and how you experience it and then you draw your conclusions from that right and we went into the blueberry fields and picked wild blueberries Mm -hmm. on on public land and we went to strawberry farms and picked strawberries and we went to the cemetery in south portland maine and picked humongous blackberries because the cemetery didn't care if people went and picked them yeah and when i say humongous they they were like i don't know half a golf golf ball size oh, blackberries wow. they were huge that's awesome and so so i grew up eating fresh food yeah all spring summer and fall and then canned fresh food that my mom canned from the yep. fresh food in spring summer and fall all winter yep and so i kind of feel bad for people who didn't have that experience oh yeah i wish everybody could have that experience at least once because you just you experience real food and real flavors it's not masked and covered up and diluted and and just even just the idea that you can plant seeds and if you do nothing but water them every so often you can go out in the fall and you can make a meal out of something that you completely did on your own it's just it feels really empowering sometimes yeah and i I keep going back to my folks because they live so far away but they just went through that massive storm in in oh yeah yeah and their phone didn't work for almost two weeks their landline Mm -hmm. phone and cell phone coverage was really spotty for at least a week. And so I waited three days and finally called my dad's cell phone. And he answered the phone and he said, make it quick. <laughs> and I was like, are you guys okay? He's like, yeah, we're fine. Everything's fine. I said, okay, good. And then the phone died. And oh. I was like, well, at least I know they're okay. Right. So then the phone rings like two hours later and they had gone to the local fire department, fire barn, whatever they call it, mm-hmm. to get water because their well doesn't work during power outages. Yeah. And it was my mom and she was like, hi, I just wanted to let you know everything's fine. And then she started talking. She said, we're mm-hmm. out getting water because we're in a place where the cell phone signal is way better. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's a darn good thing. You guys still act like you acted in your 30s because I'm sure you have food in the pantry and I'm sure you have water and I'm sure you have milk and whatever you need. Yeah. And she said, yes, we have a fortress. We're good. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> And yep. then I then I got worried about my my sister who also lives in Maine right now, who lives down a very long dirt road 
and it's pine trees all the way down that road. And I was like, "Uh oh, I hope they can get out. And when I talked to my folks yesterday, I said, so how did my sister fare with the weather? And she's like, oh, they were fine. They had stuff, you know, they were raised by us. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) But I always wonder when things like that happen, how people who weren't raised like me handle a crisis like that. If they live in a, a 500 square foot apartment in the middle of a city. Right. I don't, I don't know. I was raised like that too. I mean, my pressure canner I use every other day all year long. Mm-hmm. And we, that's how we grew up was on canned stuff that we grew in the garden and canned. And even living in college or in an apartment, um, I had a stocked pantry just because that's what I knew. It's like, oh, I need, you know, 50 pounds of rice, even though I'm one person, but you never know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was just, I always had something there that if the power went out or whatever, I was, I was good. I, I was covered. I just, I wish more people would, I hope more more people have that than, than it feels like they do because that security is really helpful in crisis. Yeah. Um, I lived in apartments until, I'm trying to think, 1999. Yeah, 1999. So I lived with my parents until I was 18, mm-hmm. almost 19, and then moved out and then lived in apartments from then until 1999. And when I moved in with my my husband now he wasn't my husband then mm-hmm. he was living in a house and there was always stuff to do you know there's always mm-hmm. stuff to prepare always stuff to be aware of and that was all well and good and if the power went out we were not in a good situation because we did not have a wood stove and we did not have a backup plan for heat mm-hmm. if the power went out there was no heat and when we started looking for a place three and a half four years ago Mm-hmm. A new place. One of the things we really were, were hoping to find was a place that had a backup generator because oh, the, yeah. not ha- the not having heat is really scary in Minnesota. Yep. Typically, not this year, right? But uh, <laughs> but there have been some very cold stretches. Last year, mm-hmm. we had a week where it was really unbearably cold. Um, and so when we when we found this place that happens to have a, a generator that's <laughs> hard lined into the house and just yeah. turns on when the power goes out and turns yes. off when the main power comes back on, mm-hmm. that was that was a big selling point for us. Right. Yeah, we got oh, go ahead, okay. okay. So so when the first winter we were here, the power did go out. There was a Mm -hmm. storm coming. We knew about it. And I was like, oh, we have to be, we have to get prepared for this. We have to draw water. We have to do the things you do before a major Mm -hmm. storm hits. And my husband put his hand on my shoulder and went, um, you don't have to do that stuff. We have the Mm -hmm. generator. And I literally had to rethink what my, my actions are before a major storm rolls in. Because before it was make sure we had water, make sure we had blankets out in case it got really cold, things like that. Yeah. And nope, power went out, power came back on, we were fine. And I was I was very confused. I didn't know what to do. 
<laughs> yeah, we got lucky. Um, our our farm now, when we moved in, had um, a wood stove in the basement and a little pot belly-ish stove in the living room. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's how we heat the house. That's how we heated it then, and we still do it now. And But the little stove in the living room, I did swap out for an actual... Um, old wood cook stove and so we have in the winter especially we'll have a lot of meals that I just cook on the wood stove just because it's fun and it heats the house up way too warm but Mm -hmm. but we can always open a window so that's not so bad but yeah we love to love the wood heat and to cook with it is really fun the kids love that Mm -hmm. so do you uh, do you guys ever do indoor s'mores yes Yes, we did that just right, right before Christmas. That was one of our, one of our little activities. We got to light a fire and do our s'mores in the living room. That's fun. How old are the kids? Um, what are they? Ten, eight, seven, six. Ten, eight, seven, six, four. Wow, you have five. Yeah. (laughs) I I have four, but they're all grown adult children now. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We've. They keep us busy. We homeschool, and so that's always always fun to be able to do school and incorporate it with the farm and and do some of the hands-on stuff that they wouldn't get otherwise. Yeah, you have all the curriculum you need. Yeah. <laughs> you have biology, yeah. you have chemistry, you have physics, you have math. I'm, I'm sure you read to them and they read. And Oh, yes. Yep. We've got a whole library. Yeah, you're set. You're set. Yeah. You, you have everything you need to teach them, everything they need to know. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we just got to keep praying for patience. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's one of the things that I find really interesting now that my kids are grown, is that I, I don't, I'm not, what's the word I want? I'm not as stressed as I used mm-hmm. to be because every day was on guard. Oh, yeah. For everything. Because when my youngest was born, my daughter was 12, my stepson was 10, and my my second kid was four and a half, I think, almost oh, okay. five. Mm-hmm. So they were all in, they were all in different developmental stages. There was only one girl and she was the oldest. Mm-hmm. And she had friends, the, my stepson had friends, but my my son, who was four and a half, almost five, he didn't really have a lot of friends because there weren't any boys in the neighborhood and he was still little. So when youngest was born, when I had the newborn and the four and a half year old, he wasn't in school yet. Mm-hmm. So I was like, how do I balance nursing a newborn and keeping this, this four year old busy? Cause you know, <laughs> it was, it was a lot. Yep. And I was very happy that the two older kids were big helps with the two younger because I don't know how I would have done it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really awesome when they can be helpful. Yeah. (laughs) And I understand why families extended family tended to live around each other back in the old Mm days because then there were aunties and uncles and cousins who could help. Yeah. I think we're missing that so much these days that it's showing up in different ways all through yeah. our our daily lives that we really need that family close and that connectedness again that we've lost. 
Yeah, I think so too, but I don't necessarily see it coming back anytime soon. No. <laughs> Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, okay, so so why what were you guys always gonna do this or did you decide to, to buy a farm or what happened there? Well, I don't know exactly. What <laughs> um, I grew up in the country and so I knew that I wanted land where I couldn't see my neighbors and wanted a garden and, and some animals. Uh, my husband grew up in the city and so he didn't know any of it at all, but he was a willing participant to at least make my dream come true. And now I, he seems to enjoy it. He'll say, oh, we milk the cows and we do this and we do that. And I kind of look at him like, yes, I milk the cow and I do this. And and mm-hmm. you just, you, you help me with the muscle when I need it. But, and so he seems to enjoy it. I, I laugh. Our first, I think it was our first summer on the farm, he was fencing because I had arranged for a cow to come home without a fence. And Uh-oh. so he, he was, he was working on that and. He called me and he goes, um, the electric fence works. He goes, I, I think we need to move to the city though. And I said, what? And he's like, yeah, I, I bent over to check the fence and I think it touched my forehead. And next thing I knew, I woke up on the ground. <laughs> oh no. He knocked himself out cold. And so we got a good laugh out of it. But so he's, he's made a lot of, a lot of hands-on learning leaps that, that he's come around to, but it's gone, it's gone pretty well. And he seems to enjoy it now for the most part. Well, I'm glad he survived his uh, interaction <laughs> with the electric fence. That's kind of scary. Right. Yeah. Um, the electric fences are weird. Um, mm-hmm. When we were visiting my folks, my, my dad's best friend, since they were babies, he lives near them. And there's a, the person that lives next to him, he can't actually see their house, I don't think, but their pasture backs on his property. Mm-hmm. And they have an alpaca or a llama. I can't remember which it was. And so they have an electric fence to keep the, the critter in. Yep. And he was like, you should just go say hi to Jack or whatever the critter's name was. <laughs> and I said, is he friendly? And he's like, oh, yeah. He said, he might try to spit at you. And I was like, okay. So I walk over and the electric fence is making this snick, snick, snick mm-hmm. sound. And I don't know anything about electric fences. So I'm like, am I supposed to go near this? Because that sounds scary. Maybe something's not right. I don't want to electrocute <laughs> myself. So I walk back to the, the garage where he was showing my husband his collection of woodworking tools. And I said, uh, is that fence supposed to make that noise? And he said, what noise? And I mm-hmm. said, it's it's going snake, snake, snake. He said, I didn't even know the fence does that. He said, I, I don't hear very well. And I was like, oh, okay. He said, I think <laughs> it's fine. He said, just don't touch it. I was like, all righty. So I walk <laughs> back over and the llama or the alpaca comes tearing over toward me. Like he's going to come through the fence. Mm-hmm. I back up and he dead stops in front of the fence and looks at me and sticks his head completely over the fence to sniff <laughs> my hand. Oh, <laughs> I was like, okay, buddy. Hi. And let me scritch him. And he was very friendly and it was great. Yeah. But electric fences are great tools. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know anything about them, I would give them a wide berth. And if you don't know anything about them, I would ask the person who knows about them and find out right. what you can do and what you can't. Yeah. 
Yeah, my husband's a master electrician, so he he understands. He just mm-hmm. I think got caught off guard that day. <laughs> he bumped it. Yep, it yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah. So we've been talking for about half an hour, and I like to keep these to half an hour. I mm-hmm. I really appreciate your time today, Anna. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Oh, oh, I didn't ask you why Wildflower Farm. I'm sorry. Why is it called Wildflower Farm? Um, I I don't know. It just kind of just kind of spoke to me. I guess we don't have a ton of wildflowers, but the ones we do have, I really enjoy, and and it just. I don't know. It just kind of was the one that that kind of popped in and stuck. Okay. I didn't know if you guys had wildflowers and, and cut them and sold them or anything. So No, no. I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants. And when something sticks, that's what we go with. <laughs> oh, no. That's fine. I think it's a great way to do it. All right. <laughs> so, seriously now, thank you for your time. I appreciate yeah, thank you, you talking to me. Have a great weekend and a happy new year. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye. Mm-hmm. Bye.